0: To the gamers in, come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co host, Ryan. Ryan, how has your week been?
1: It's been a busy week. Uh, I've, I've, the last, well, the last week actually has, has involved uh, a, a major purchase and possibly um, a lot of progress bars and making room on an entertainment system for another giant obelisk. <laughs> uh and uh, yeah i i ended up buying an xbox series x directly from microsoft so i was kind of <laughs> like what <laughs> i know and uh as soon as i bought it I, I i had this that instant buyer's remorse like wait no i really why am i doing this and before that, I had actually kind of like really spaced it out of my mind and made it. It made sense to me, and it might not make sense to a lot of listeners, but it made sense to me. I, I was able to like <laughs> bullet point it, get it down to like this is happening type territory, and uh, I think it really you know spawned from the fact that uh, I was able to sell the PS4 Pro. These consoles are fully backwards compatible, so I had like no qualms.
0: That's true. There's no reason really to keep the the last generation of consoles at this point.
1: Exactly. So uh, I figure I can get around the same amount of money for the Xbox One X. I had both half-step consoles, so they still carry some, you know, a lot of value. Like they sell for probably, I could probably sell them under like a hundred bucks under what the, the current generation of consoles are, are at, um, or I guess a couple hundred less. But at the end of the day, it, it was one of those things where, I wanted the best system to play my Game Pass games, and there were a few kind of building up uh, that would offer a next-gen experience. And I wanted to capture the value that was that was left in the Xbox One X. And no, Whirlwind, I'm not going to EB Games. There will likely be <laughs> a Facebook Marketplace story in the near future, although I will say people have been very good on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Ashley's been selling some odds and ends in the house yeah Um, and they and people have been really good like you know you worry you know you hear the horror stories but really at the end of the day um everyone's been really good here you know i can't speak for everywhere else but here in peterborough it's been it's been a good community and uh helping people out by giving them selling tiles and shower things and stuff because we have a bunch (laughs) of odds and ends from uh from our previous sort of housework so yeah i picked up a series x don't really have a lot to say about it other than it's uh it's still got the whole my god why is it so big uh yeah <laughs> reaction. um although i i rebuttaled that with the fact that like well you know it is big but at least it's a rectangle right it's uh
0: yeah <laughs> and it's black so it kind of blends into the shadows slash anything else that you've probably got like there aren't very many like white blu-ray players right so no. at least it probably matches your color scheme
1: <laughs> it does so yeah it's this big uh black rectangle and uh you're able to like i was able to tuck the external hard drive in behind it so that's not hanging around and it is small enough that it at least fits in the little area where the xbox uh, one x was before so it, it it passes that but uh
0: i find mine's actually not very loud either i was surprised i was expecting it to be like an airplane taking off (laughs) like when i saw it was so big right but it's it is it's really quiet so
1: yeah the playstation 5 makes a little bit of noise i mean i haven't put a disc in the xbox uh series x but when you have a disc in the playstation 5 even when it's kind of it, it would seem to authenticate um for the disc every like 30 minutes you just hear it spin up even if you're not playing the game that it's trying to check for (laughs) it would just spin that disc up and it it sounded like the double check that you're not like (laughs) trying to pull one over on it (laughs) i don't know if it's a bug or i mean there's been a lot and this is the thing my limited amount of time with the series x the first thing i noticed is that not only have they nailed sort of the aesthetics of just the console it is a big black box it doesn't look like anything crazy that as soon as you walk in like what the heck is that white you know blue glowy fin thing it's just it looks like a like a little small media center pc but also The UI is just a sped up version of what you had on the previous Xbox. So that is super handy.
0: It's very recognizable.
1: Exactly. And everything's really sharp and, and snappy and it all works. Everything that was with the Xbox one is there. So they don't like have to patch in sort of cold storage for games. You can manage all of that. And it just, it worked really well. Like I had the Xbox one X here in the office connected to the ethernet and then I had the Series X connected via Ethernet as well. I transferred a couple games over the Ethernet. It took a, it, it did not take long at all. Um, and then I just put the rest of the games on the external drive and plugged it into the Series X and I was done. <laughs> it was all set up, <laughs> which is, uh, although I, I did pause, uh, it, it ended up checking for updates and it's like, hey, these are all Xbox One games. We're going to download a bunch of Series X stuff for this and uh that turned a 70 gigabyte install of destiny 2 into a 80, 80 80 80 gigabyte uh upgrade patch so we'll see how that goes i paused it so it doesn't affect the podcast but uh, <laughs> i'm
0: yeah. interested to see what you think um like with your xbox one versus series x yeah if I, it's if it's that big of a jump
1: i think um
0: Because I know like it felt like it was big for me because I came from like launch console to launch console, right? So that was a really big performance jump for me. But with you being the kind of like the in-between generation, be interested to see what your what your thoughts are on performance difference.
1: Yeah, I am. I've got a couple games uh, queued up. I want to play. There was an expansion that came out for Gears 5 that saw an upgrade for Series X. Um, I want to check that out. Uh, and there's been a bunch of like 60 frame per second upgrades for a bunch of games. And really what it came down to is I asked myself after all that other, you know, internal monologuing, um, I figured out like, okay, like, am I going to buy a new PC? Am I going to try to upgrade my current PC? Graphics cards are, are crazy hard to come by when I can just, I have game pass paid up for another two and a half years. I'm just going to buy a Series X, have the best system that, that those games can play on. Because really, like, I don't have any drive to kind of upgrade my PC. Like, there's really not a lot of games sort of uh, bringing me over to the PC. I'm, I'm happy to play on the console. And I just, I'm much perf. I was trying to play uh, a Steam game. I have a, a, the PC hooked up to the TV. I'm trying to play Paw Patrol with Caden. And, like, just... He's sitting there waiting for me to start it and it took forever like steam wouldn't load and then and then the game wouldn't recognize the controller and I'm just like you know what let's just get it on the Xbox <laughs> This
0: never happens on Xbox
1: <laughs> well okay sometimes it does I'll give you that but it happens less and I guess I just I've never been a PC per- I've always been a console gamer uh, I do like the PC for playing with you know friends and streaming and stuff that is always great and I'll always have a PC for that. But I just asked myself, like, what am I, what would I rather do do
0: day to day?
1: Yeah, I'd rather have, I have this Game Pass subscription just sitting there. And I'm like, I want to be able to, I want to be able to take advantage of Game Pass on the next generation as well. And uh, I, I always usually have all the systems eventually. I think just being able to sell the previous generation to help offset the cost a little bit just made it a easier decision. Even though there, yes, there are no games that are coming out for for either console um i mean i guess ratchet's coming out for the ps5 in june and then we have halo on the series x but that's all expected this year so i feel like these consoles aren't going to get any cheaper anytime soon because hell you can't even buy them so there you (laughs)
0: go so have you had a chance to check anything out on the Xbox or around the Xbox or...
1: <laughs> Not on the Series X. Although I will say that this has been a weird sort of week as well because as I'm setting up the Series X, I also got added to the Xbox Cloud Gaming beta for iOS. Nice! And uh, I I wanted to kind of test it out in a way where I was probably giving it its fair shake because honestly, you could you can play the Xbox Cloud Gaming with touch controls or you can like prop your phone up against a book and put and sync a controller to it and do it that way but i've always wanted one of those like little phone holders that you attach to your Mm -hmm. controller (laughs) and uh i ended up getting one i I picked up the uh it's an officially licensed one it's the 8-bit dough mobile gaming clip for the xbox controllers and it's about 20 bucks canadian and it's it you know snaps onto the controller so they
0: basically give them away for free in the States.
1: Uh, maybe I think it's probably like 10 bucks <laughs> or <Yeah. laughs> they come with, yeah, they probably come with the controller to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, but it works really well. Like it, it, it comes with an adapter for both the elite controllers as well as, you know, previous 2020 controllers and, uh, all newer controllers released after 2020. So there's like two adapters in there. So they'll work for any Xbox controller And, uh, yeah, you, you put your phone in the top, it's got multiple sort of like, uh, um, adjustable sections so that you can kind of position the phone the way you want, depending on how you like to hold the controller. And it's, it works really well in the sense that that controller, you know, it feels fine. I have a larger phone, so it's kind of weird. It's like you're playing an Xbox portable system, but it's, it's your phone with a, with a controller synced to it. Um, although I'll say this, like streaming games it, it, no one should worry like streaming games is is not going to replace your your console because it's it is not i think it's uh how, how do i put this i think it's like it's an easy access to these games when you need it you know it's not a replacement but like if you have 20 bucks you can subscribe to game pass ultimate have access to the cloud and you have a phone suddenly you have you you if that's the only way you have access to these games you have access to a lot of games in a fairly eh, i don't want to say like it works 100 of the time but it's a fairly reliable service (laughs) you know it lets you play the game it may not be the best way to play the game but it lets you play the game like it technically works although it's it's got some stuttering like uh, i'd say every few minutes there's like a very clear minor stutter where the game tries to catch up with itself. And uh, the input lag is terrible. <laughs> it's really Aww. bad. And uh, when I say that, it's like, okay, you're not going to want to play Outriders like uh, as a new game. They advertise it as being on xCloud, but uh, it you're not going to want to play an action game. And I was even struggling with, I was playing Narita Boy and it's sort of like an action indie platformer. And even that was... Really tough to try and play uh, with the input lag. Although you you do kind of train yourself a little bit, but at the end of the day, like if, you, if this is all you play and you train yourself, and then you go to a real games, like you're, you're you're working in the opposite direction where you're trying to um, uh, you're trying to work in like input lag, but there is none. <laughs> I could see it like <laughs> wrecking your brain, um, but I could see it being really really good for like turn based games. That's where I've always really enjoyed like streaming, like I played a lot of XCOM 2 over Steam Link, um, and it worked really, really well. I-, I can see where slower games are probably more suited for the cloud gaming stuff. Um whereas like a lot of people might be like, oh, I wanna I wanna use this cloud gaming so that I can play the the most technically advanced game on my laptop. Um which is totally fine but i find like with my setup the input lag really gets in the way of like a, like a truly uh one to one sort of experience right mm. but the novelty of playing these games on your phone with this uh with this gaming clip uh on an xbox controller like i'm not going to lie it's pretty cool and i already have game pass i already have an xbox controller i already have a phone I really just had to <laughs> buy this clip to kind of complete the sort of the... Uh, the
0: experience.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it sounds weird, but I, I really think that it, I would never subscribe to cloud gaming as a separate service because I have the systems to play them on, but because it's bundled in, it's almost like a fun experiment where I know we're not traveling, but if I were to travel... I'd probably be more likely to leave the Xbox at home. And I be know like, I'm
0: not doing this thing, but <laughs> yeah if I ever do that thing again
1: <laughs> i'm I'm sure there will be a time when I will have a use case for when I'm traveling um
0: uh you have three kids now, dude you're not going anywhere pandemic or no.
1: <laughs> what if I bring one or two of them? Does that sound fair? <laughs>
0: Um, maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well,
1: I'll, uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that one for now. Um, it it's one of those things where this service it's still in beta, so maybe the input lag is something we'll work on. Maybe it's my network configuration. Like I have a I have a router that was provided by our ISP, so maybe like they're doing some. Oh, he's streaming, you know, games. Like they can look at that stuff and say like, oh, well, we're gonna throttle this. I don't know what it is. Um, I have no problems with pretty much everything else I throw at it. But uh, streaming games is, is, is tough. I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, I know Microsoft has talked about the limitations of running this through Safari has kind of gotten in the way of them offering exactly what they want to offer. So maybe there's that as well. But uh, I, I tried it out on a bunch of different things. It's worked the best on my phone with the clip. Um, I tried it on my iPad, it ran horribly, so I don't know if that was just like, we're not quite at that stage yet. Um, I also ran it on my Mac in Safari, and it worked okay. It was kind of on par with the phone, but still a little more stuttering, input lag is still there, and I I tried it on my cellular network as well, and that did not go well. (laughs) It It was really bad. Which, to me, is the best use case, right? Like, we don't have 5G here. We have LTE. So I know on yeah. 5G, it might be a little bit better. And I think that's where the use case really shines, where it's like, oh, I want to play a quick level of this on the train. You could probably do that with 5G. But honestly, uh, it, it's not It's not there yet. Like, obviously, 5G hasn't made it outside of, like the, I think, the GTA here in, in Canada. Um, but... I think it's really cool that they're building this technology. I think it's going to open up you know, more opportunities for people to check out Game Pass if they don't have an Xbox or a PC that can play these games. And when they start expanding it to more platforms, I, I don't think they, they properly support browsers yet on, on PCs and Macs. I think it is just sort of they're working on mobile devices right now and then they're going to expand upon there. But you can access the service on those systems. I just don't know if they're like really done working on that yet and Mm. yeah am i gonna use it more i don't know but i think the fact that it's bundled into xbox game pass ultimate it's it's likely that i'll continue to be like let's check in on this and see how it's doing because it is from a novelty perspective it's really cool to be able to just play these games on your phone um but one other minor note like is these are xbox one servers so everything is loading really slow in comparison to um, current generation consoles. So don't Mm. expect to, oh, because it's on the cloud, it's going to load super fast. It's still like loading off of what would have been like a slow hard drive, basically. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Although it looks great when, like the video quality is really good. It's just the input lag is a problem and there's some minor stuttering. At least that's been my experience. And I, I don't have gigabit internet, but I have, I think it's like, 500 up down so like
0: which it should still be plenty
1: oh yeah should be plenty and i'm not doing anything else like we're not my xbox series x isn't updating you know uh, (laughs) we're not watching netflix and amazon disney plus all at the same time like there is enough room there for the streaming to happen um but yeah it's i think it's something that if you do get access to it it's worth checking out just to kind of see what's there But, I mean, if you have an Xbox or even a Series X and you're stuck at home, like, it's very unlikely that you're going to be like, I'm going to go play cloud gaming. But maybe there's an (laughs) opportunity where you want to, like, get a little farther. Maybe you're not feeling
0: great and you're like, I just want to lay in bed today. And you're like, but also I want to play my Xbox games. Well, now you can.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And that's the really cool part is, like, I think this is the... they're, They're starting to realize, like, they're starting to get to that point where... Microsoft doesn't need to make a portable Xbox. They're just gonna make everything else a portable Xbox. And this is the this is the beginning of them realizing that that sort of setup. So the fact that it works this well in beta and they continue to, you know improve upon the technology, I think we'll get there. I could see them, you know, making a case to Apple to have like a, a Xbox cloud gaming app. I think they're gonna get there. Uh, whether the courts help them out or not like i I, like i think we get there i don't think we're going to be running this through safari forever um although i I could be wrong but uh yeah it if you have access definitely check it out it's really neat and i mean if you do want to go the extra step a lot of these gaming clips um there are some cheap ones but as some folks have have told me like do you really want to put your thousand dollar phone in a six dollar clip yeah (laughs) spend the extra money because honestly this thing is kind of built like a tank it feels really solid and um when you when you sort of and it fits large phones so i have an iphone xs max and when you pull apart sort of the the holder for where you put your phone in it feels very snug like it's holding on to that phone i mean i wouldn't recommend like Playing like you're playing Mario Kart when you're a t- <laughs> you know a little kid. Don't be swinging the thing around. But if you're playing and you're just holding the controller still and you're just and you're just playing your game, it's it feels sturdy. Obviously, it's heavy because you've added a phone onto the controller, but it's not. It supports <laughs> it in a way where it doesn't feel uh too heavy. So mm-hmm. um, it's really solid. So I do recommend if you want to check this out and you want to give it a fair shake. Check out the 8-Bit Doe mobile gaming clip. It's like 20 bucks Canadian, free American. And uh, yeah, check it out.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad that you got a, a chance to get into that because, uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I'm not in the cloud gaming beta thingy. So I'm glad that it's kind of coming along and it sounds like they're they're taking steps to, I mean, maybe not directly compete with the Switch, but kind of move into that play wherever, or I guess move further into that play wherever you want um, kind of mentality. So I look forward to seeing how this works out and if if they can kind of like make that tech a little bit better and, and solve the, the few problems it sounds like they have. So this is going to be another installment of Jocelyn Reviews Games that she hasn't actually played. But um, I swear <laughs> that it's a, at least... A good story review, I guess we'll put it that way. Uh, so basically, when Resident Evil 8 came out, I watched um, one of the streamers that I was I had mentioned on the previous episode that I would probably check out. Uh, Ysifka, she's normally a Dead by Daylight streamer, though she does kind of um, dabble, I guess, <laughs> in in other horror games when new and interesting stuff comes out. So. I actually watched her for about eight hours. And I think uh, she she did the whole thing in one playthrough, like one sitting. And I think her entire stream was about 12 hours. So I've seen like two thirds of Resident Evil 8, shall we say. And it looks like the, I guess, initial rumors were right. It doesn't look as scary as Resident Evil 7. Now, I say that not being the person actually holding the controller, I'm pretty sure I won't play this game myself because there's like the game itself, uh, at least from what I've seen so far, um, I don't exactly know how the end of the game plays out. But um, the it's pretty much on rails and it's set up with four different like worlds, if you want to think of them like that. Um, They're basically just four different sections of the map, but it is very much like there's one path. There's a lot of like lock and key type stuff uh you move your way through the zone and then you come up against a boss at the end of the zone right like it's it's very um expected i guess into and it's not it's not open world it's not like free roaming anything um so i've seen all four of those areas and the second area i don't think i would be able to move through it <laughs> i'm like i'm trying to talk as like vaguely as possible, because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But one thing that I did really like about Resident Evil 8 is that, um, and uh, I'm saying this as somebody who is not familiar with playing the rest of the franchise, like, I've seen the movies, but that's it. Like, I'm not familiar with the games hardly at all because they've always just been too scary. So, um, this version of Resident Evil seemed to really play into many different horror genres if that makes sense it's like each world was very different like the the first area was a little bit more like gothic there was more um I would say like kind of like gore like slasher film I guess the second area is much more, like, mind-bending psychological horror to the point that they even, like, take away your weapons. So, like, you lose your inventory and you just have to move through the zone in that way. And it is, like, there's, like, oh, man, there there were some moments in yeah. there.
1: <laughs> I remember uh, I, I heard a lot of people talking about how in the reviews they were saying... This this has lost some of its horror edge that you had in seven, which was like an all out we're gonna scare, uh, we're gonna scare you here. And then with RE eight, they kind of focus more on the action, closer to like the balance of horror action in Resident Evil four. So, but they do say like there are moments that have you know made me walk away, and yeah, uh, that's that's the thing where it's like. It's good to know that they've kind of kept that Resident Evil feel. Um, I don't know if like the early games in Resident Evil were very quote unquote scary. Although I will correct myself very quickly here in that (laughs) there were these, you know, you know, scare moments where specifically walking down a hallway and a bunch and you walk past a bunch of windows and nothing happens. And then you walk back, back through the hallway and then a bunch of dogs jump through the window. I can remember that moment playing the gamecube remake with my brothers and screaming and uh my mom and dad running upstairs like what's wrong it's like oh just, we walked past this hallway and nothing happened and then we, we thought we were safe and then we walked back through the hallway and a bunch of like zombie dogs jumped out and they're like what are you playing it's like oh it's this game <laughs>
0: what is happening <laughs> it's this game about
1: zombies but they're zombie dogs and then there's this like weird naked guy walking around at the end that was the boss though Um, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a whole thing, but the thing is like the games to me never really got to the, the point of unplayability from a, from a scare standpoint Mm -hmm. until seven and in seven, I think they really, and I don't know if it's the the shift from third person to first person that really moves (laughs) the, the horror dial over, but, um, it it was very nice to hear that RE8 kind of offered more of a balance without fully removing sort of those horror moments. Because I know a lot of people, if they saw that leave, would probably be very frustrated. And I have not heard that from sort of the, you know, the internet conversation. It's been it's been pretty good, pretty balanced.
0: Yeah, the inter- the internet conversation, like the reviews and stuff that I've heard and seen and seen streamers talking about it and stuff seems to be mostly positive. People seem to be enjoying the playthroughs that I like again just from what I've seen and obviously I'm I'm not I guess like, active or involved in like zombie twitter. <laughs> so, I mean, the the takes that I'm going to see are from people who play Dead by Daylight who are going to be from um probably a lot of people like me that are more general gamers, maybe not specific zombie or horror gamers. And so therefore are maybe checking out the genre, not necessarily for the first time, but like, there's a lot of like, this is one of the things I enjoy in a kind of more variety kind of way. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of people where like zombies or horror is their their one and only jam? Who maybe have like issues with some of the stuff in here, but I think that overall the franchise made a good choice to kind of appeal a little bit more widely. Uh, because, like I say, I think there's a lot of like general or variety gamers that are looking at Resident Evil like me for maybe the first time, going, "Oh, this looks like something I could actually play and enjoy." There's those horror elements, and like I said, there is some messed up shit in the second area like cool. it, it's bad That's, like it sounds it's great like, yeah like uh it's it's things that like if i was playing i know i would have had to turn it off and i might not have gone back to it so it was good to have it kind of on in the background while i was working so i wasn't 100% focused on it because there were some really terrifying things
1: like, um I, I don't know i, I know it, it to me to ask what it was would be spoilery, but, like...
0: I don't want to spoil anything, and I don't want to, like, say anything that's, like... It's just, um it, like I say, it's a psychological horror area, so I don't want to say anything because I really feel that anything I say is going to be spoilery and could take away from the weight of it if that makes sense like so that i don't want to say anything and then have somebody go in and go oh this isn't that scary it's like yeah it's not that scary but you knew it was coming <laughs> so um anyways but just like back to my i guess the original point here was that i like that they've mixed a whole bunch of things together because the first area like i said was more like kind of like slasher gore uh really focused on like gothic blood stuff and then there was the um the psychological horror area in the in the second spot the third one was much more of like that um like gross out horror like very like um slimy pussy vomity area
1: <laughs> okay and
0: then and then like the final area is and i would say like three of the four areas that i saw were like you say very action horror like the, the kind of put the action adventure uh, to the forefront, although I would say um, the first area was maybe heavier on the puzzle solving. There was like there was lots of like searching and puzzle solving with some boss encounters in the first area, but there wasn't much um, in terms of like ongoing combat, whereas the third and fourth areas were like ongoing combat pieces. Like, there was lots of bad guys coming at you. You were starting to really get close to the end. So, like, the the big bad person is throwing everything they've got at you. So, it's just, it is more of a constant combat than, the, than some of the other areas. But overall, because they went with that variety approach, there's kind of something for everyone. Like, there's going to be areas that you maybe don't enjoy as much, but there's going to be something in Resident Evil 8 that appeals to you. So it was kind of a balancing act that could go really wrong, but I think it went really right. And I say that as somebody who generally does not like gross-out horror, like all of the, like, slimy, vobbity stuff. That's normally not my jam. But I was still interested and intrigued to watch this playthrough as Yusufka moved through that portion of the game. So, I like, I really think that they've kind of nailed it from that perspective. Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it, it sounds like they've got a a good balance. And I mean, I'm also not big on slimy, pukey, gory <laughs> horror stuff.
0: <laughs> well, it's not even gory. It's just it's that gross out stuff, right? With like mutations and extra things growing and, and pussy things exploding. Like it's all that kind of like gross out horror. And normally I'm like, ugh like I'll just I'll watch anything other than that but it wasn't like it was still gross and I didn't like it <laughs> I could but I could make it through it right so they seem to still keep it um I guess re- relatable like they they took it far but not too far I think to to turn people off if that's really not your jam so it's almost like a variety pack of horror. Great. <laughs> and, well, but it kind of really is. So again, I didn't actually like hands on the controller play it, but Yusifka did say that she thought that the controls worked really well. And like, I'm, I'm this is like half my review, half her review, <laughs> but the controls seem to work really well. Uh, inventory management, like is what it is, right? Like it's inventory management. And it's like, they do a really weird thing where you've got kind of like a grid and you have to like move stuff around and play like a little mini game of tetris almost (laughs) inside your bags and i don't know if that's a resident evil thing or if it's new to this game but that was like oh man watching that i was just like man this is the worst
1: oh no it's straight out of resident evil 4 and oh uh, is it okay (laughs) i wouldn't say it's the worst it's um it's, it's, it's not great. I guess it's
0: kind of, Diablo's the same way, actually.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. that I
0: think about it, where like a sword might be like three squares tall and one square wide, but then, you know, you might have a, a gem that only takes up one square and then something else that takes up like four squares. It's very much that. So you have to like move things around physically in your bag Instead of just having like a certain number of inventory slots or if it's like Skyrim, like you've got a weight cap, right? So everything will have a different weight. Um, but no, this is actually like a physical, almost like another little mini game within it. That was the only part of it that I kind of looked at and was like, Ugh, I don't know about this. Um, but there's no like... There's no skill tree. It's all just like there's a there's a vendor that you go to, and there's uh, he shows up in each of the different worlds, and you just you go there. I say worlds, but it's not like you're actually you're you're in the town, you're in the village, so it's just it's different areas of the village and the surrounding area. Um, but you go to he's he shows up in each of the four places, and he's got all kinds of upgrades for your guns and your like firing speed and that kind of stuff. But there's no like uh, no skill tree or anything like that. So kind of like what you see is what you get from the beginning of the game till the end. There's a certain number of types of guns and, and you go from there and ammo's super scarce. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it did seem like, I guess, more typical that way of what I know of or have heard of from Resident Evil games. So. Um, that was kind of all on par with probably what you would expect. But from a story perspective, which is which is more along the lines of the what I did experience from my playthrough, non-playthrough, it was really cool. And I'm glad that I watched a, a playthrough and that I like I'm gonna finish it up this week. But um man, like it's just it was a pretty solid game. There were a, a few little disappointments, I guess, but that was more so just based on like the marketing of the game. But the stuff that they um like the stuff they put in was all good. I think it could have just maybe because the 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 story structure is very much like there's a big main bad person, and they have like four lieutenants underneath them that live in each of these four areas. And you're introduced to that idea fairly early on, like might even be right at the very beginning of the game. And so they don't necessarily interact directly with each other. Like, there's one that should probably be just last, but it almost would have functioned better as a game if you could have kind of done them in any order. Because the first boss that you deal with, I feel like could have been the third or fourth boss, and that would have been better just for general game flow. <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm surprised they weren't tempted to do the whole tackle this in any direction. You know, you got to defeat the four lords and uh, yeah, doing it in any sort of order.
0: Because again, even like, um, even combat wise, they weren't really all the same because like I say, one was very puzzle oriented. Well, I guess two were very puzzle oriented, two are very combat oriented, one of the puzzle ones does have some boss encounters where you do need to use your weapons, but the other one is purely like mind-bending psychological puzzles and stuff. So like you don't even have your weapons at that point. Like they could they could have somehow communicated that potentially to the player and then had you do it in whatever order you wanted. Um, Because I think getting the getting the first boss out of the way so early was a little bit of a letdown. And even saying that, I've probably maybe said too much (laughs) for people who are trying to remain completely (laughs) spoiler-free.
1: Yeah, I. it's one of those... And and if you are trying to remain spoiler-free, I mean, when it comes to Resident Evil games, we were talking pre-show about this, I feel like they're very hard to spoil in that um, Resident Evil has one protagonists sometimes too but they're always going to make it through it's the journey and it's not really about the destination because the destination is guess what you kill a bunch of monsters and you survive and uh one of the games one of the most beloved games Resident Evil 4 literally ends with you killing all the monsters surviving and then riding a jet ski into the sun sunset right like (laughs) the end you know you save the president's daughter you you kill a bunch of monsters and you literally jet ski ride off into the sunset. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Which honestly, like and and again, there's obviously some some details, some boss orders, like there's some specifics that I wouldn't necessarily want to spoil, but it did remind me quite a lot of Zelda. Where it's like the the overall like or I guess the base of the story is pretty kind of cookie cutter where you've got a bunch of different temples with some boss battles and in the end you face off against Ganon, right? Like this is exact this is Zelda with a horror skin over top of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I think that's the point is where you could get spoilery is like spoiling the moments. Like Mm -hmm. they're there are moments in seven, this is far enough released, and it's very early yeah. in the game where there's a moment in seven where you're creeping around the house, very start of the game, and you're trying to escape and you're not really sure what's going to happen. And it's in the trailers, but like the father basically walks through the wall as you're like trying to get out of this house. And you're like, Oh, I don't hear anything. And all of a sudden you just, you just see this monster just pull you through the wall that you're walking past. And I, I think it's those moments You know, like like Resident Evil 1 with the dog jumping through the window. Like, if you spoil that moment, then that person isn't going to get scared. And, like, maybe they'll thank you. But at the end of the day, like, they'll never get that (laughs) moment back. And really, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the scares. Mm -hmm. So...
0: Yeah, and I didn't. Th- there, there didn't seem to be that many jump scares in Resident Evil Village. Like, if if that's what's potentially keeping you away, there are some. I'm not going to say there's none. There are yeah. some. There are definitely some moments. Um, but there, I also found them to be rather telegraphed. Like, there's there's points in the game where you might have to like look under a bed or look out a window or like st- things like that, that see that really kind of um, give you this kind of claustrophobic type feeling and funnel your vision in one specific direction. And like, you can feel that the game's doing it and then they, they pop something in your face. Right. And so like, I felt that the, the moments that were jumpy were pretty um, telegraphed, but at the same time, that didn't necessarily make them any less effective if you are like as sensitive as I am. <laughs> Put it that way. Like, I still would have jumped if I was focused solely on it and was the one holding the controller. I definitely would have screamed and jumped in those moments. <laughs> but, uh, but it did seem less so than, um, what I have seen of, uh, seven specifically. So, although 8 is still first person so there but um i think it just uh there's a lot more open spaces i think in 8
1: hmm. yeah no it, and i definitely noticed that in the demo it just felt like it it opened up at at parts
0: it just feels bigger and like you've got a little bit of breathing room and and some space around you which like to me at least like the the smaller the corridors the smaller the space the less room i have to run in my head so Anything that invades that space quickly, (laughs) whether it's a pop up or a jump out or a fall from the ceiling or a big bang noise or whatever, anything that invades that space is usually very scary to me versus if I'm like outside or if I'm in some larger area, like a big like dining room or, or ballroom or something like that, like high ceilings. Those are the kind of places where it's harder to scare me. I still get scared. Don't get me wrong. But (laughs) I feel like it's a little bit uh, harder to scare me in in big open spaces.
1: Yeah. No, that's... I mean, it's those safe spaces, right? Like, And that's what makes a really good horror game is that you have pacing. Yeah, we were
0: talking about it with... um, Oh, what's the game that we played where we... uh, uh, Medium?
1: Yeah, Medium had it for sure. Medium,
0: yeah, yeah. I was like... The game where you like go to the old Soviet abandoned like summer thing, whatever. Yeah, that that place. <laughs> oh, that so. might be a
1: good game to for me to to revisit now that I have the Series X because it played, mm. like, played oh, like oh crap yeah, because on the PC. it was so
0: bad on the yeah it was so, but it would probably be or well I thought it was much better on the on the Series X. So, anyways, that's my thoughts on playing, not playing Resident. Evil Village. I'm gonna watch it all the way through the end. I'm really excited about it. I think it's a good game. It seems like a good game, and if it sounds like it might not be your jam from an actual controlling it perspective, I would say you know maybe go and uh, and check out a uh, playthrough by your favorite horror streamer because there's definitely a lot out there, and uh, and I think it's it's worth it from uh, just like kind of an exploration and story perspective. I, I thought it was really good, so go and check it out uh anything else you want to talk about ryan before we move into the news uh
1: well i i don't want this to turn into the xenoblade chronicles 2 podcast update segment (laughs) but um just to let everybody know i'm still playing it because if i stop i know i'll forget how to play and um i'm i'm in a point where the story is really clipping along like it's not it's not going story beat, open world story beat. It's basically going story beat, story beat. And uh, mm. it's I- I'm I'm actually thinking I'm probably getting close to the end because it keeps taking away party members and giving them back. So I'm kind of like queuing up side content where I have to wait for my party members to collect back together. Um, I think I'm chapter eight now. Uh, so, oh,
0: man, I need to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good I'm so far behind
1: <laughs> uh, it's such a good game and i looking back i understand why i stopped playing and never went back because it is such a daunting task but now i'm like i i have the expansion pass so now i'm like oh i i can't wait to play you know the prequel and i'm seeing all the. and the game very much has a lot of these like callbacks to previous to the the, the prequel being announced it's kind of like oh wow they really have like a deeper lore they could pull from so i'm looking forward to playing the prequel that i have and then i'm also seeing like xenoblade chronicles um definitive edition going on sale and i'm like oh do i do i want to buy that like and and have that <laughs> also you know and oh
0: they're sucking you in <laughs> i know
1: but but the thing is like the story's great the action's great and and the combat when it clicks is is a lot of fun And I'm also kind of digging like the Pokemon style side of it, where you're like collecting the different blades and, you know, uh, interacting with them. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much playing at any chance I get to the point where, as I was setting up the Series X and, and I have the PlayStation sitting there and I'm like, but really, I could go in and, you know, play more Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because I've got so much Wildness stuff
0: downloads. Wow.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, you know, they, they tout, uh, next generation speeds on, on these consoles, but you're still limited about how fast your download will go. And, yeah. uh, games are, are, are no slouch in terms of the, uh, the capacity the size. Yeah, yep. the size. So yeah, I'm still playing Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, too. I will probably end up finishing it in the next couple weeks and then I'll move over to the, prequel but I want to kind of explore the rest of the expansion past stuff which really at this stage I've only just experienced the the bunch of resources they they throw at you you get a bunch of like uh core crystals to do some more summoning and um other resources to kind of assist with uh, leveling up characters and stuff um and then I got the a bunch of blades that came with it so I got the premium blades that came with it and that was that was fun to sort of go around and and complete those quests to get those. So yeah, it's a great game and it's, I found myself not only looking at other games in the franchise, but also Googling um, Xenoblade Chronicles three when, so uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm really digging it. It's, it's a lot of fun and I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I went back to it. I think if you're looking for something, we talked about playing something portable, don't bother buying the eight bit Doe clip, go play Xenoblade Chronicles two, because I've been playing Portable and I've kind of come back around on it where the combat is uh the combat is yeah, the main gameplay when you're playing Portable is the resolution has been brought down significantly, but they they I didn't mention this earlier but they do preserve the proper resolution for cutscenes. So like you're not losing mm. a portion of the quality by playing Portable because really like the cutscenes is where you want it to look really good with all the action yeah. stuff, so I find they they preserve that look and feel. So, totally worth playing portable if that's your only option.
0: Very cool. Well, I'm glad that you're still. I'm glad that you're still in it. I feel like I'm just so far behind now. But <laughs> no, I'll get there, guys. You, I promise. <laughs> you got to do it.
1: You got to catch up. And I.
0: I know. I know. Ryan, you're just you're game shaming me right now.
1: Well, you know, I am also terrible at Hearthstone, and I don't play World of Warcraft, so I'm I'm terrible at both those games. So you've got that on me.
0: I'll take I'll take that then. <laughs> uh, if you guys like the content we produce, head on over to Patreon.com/slash The Gamers In, where you can go to support the show. We're currently looking for our next featured patron. So again. That address is patreon.com slash thegamersin. That brings us to the news this week. And um, it looks like Sony has said that uh, we're not getting more PlayStation 5s anytime soon. They're going to continue to have stock problems into 2022, which um, I don't know if this kind of bodes well or terribly For my hypothetical Horizon Zero Dawn, or sorry, Horizon Frozen West, no, Frozen Wilds Forbidden West. There it is. (laughs) I forget what it's called too. Um, Collector's edition of the PlayStation 5 that I have been holding out and wishing and hoping for. So, uh, man, I just, man, I, I want them to make it so badly, but I'm getting to the point where I'm like, should I just buy a PlayStation 5 just so I have it so whenever that game comes out, I'm ready? uh and that's the
1: thing the the amount of effort required to buy one of these consoles you you kind of have to you kind of have to commit before the game comes out because if you want to play horizon and you're say looking at it coming out i think you're still safe to sit back a little bit longer but my my thing is always well, yeah i still
0: think we're probably about a year out from horizon like maybe not quite a year i'm but i'm kind of thinking february march next year is when we'll probably see it. I'm hoping fingers crossed, so but it's still like a good 8 to 10 months away for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean they have committed to 2021 with that game, although that means nothing in the in the Yeah, that it COVID.
0: doesn't mean anything, yeah.
1: I wouldn't necessarily go if you're willing to wait, I wouldn't go invest in a console for Horizon, but I think that you if you look at this limited stock it really what it means is you're not going to be able to go to amazon or best buy or or walk into a brick and mortar store and buy one of these yeah and like
0: get it tomorrow yeah exactly
1: you have to put in the effort to buy
0: it's gonna be planning I mean, I guess probably like whenever I guess whenever they announce a release date for Horizon, like a a solid like get it, you know, insert Friday date here. (laughs) I'm sure at that time when they're ready to announce a release date, that's the point in time when I'm going to know if there's going to be a collector's edition of the console or not. And then if there isn't, like, the the one thing I'm worried about is that I'm not alone. (laughs) That Like, what if there's a lot of people like me that are waiting for Horizon before they make their console purchase? And so there's going to be a limited stock into 2022. Somewhere late this year, early next year is when we're expecting Horizon to come. What happens if that limited stock is then... Like further, I guess, pressured by a lot of people wanting to jump into the PlayStation Five for Horizon, I can't be alone, you guys. That game was so good.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't think you're alone. But I also think that the the longer the PlayStation Five is available, the more folks that wanted one within the first few years of its launch, before a price uh, drop or before a revision happens, um, that demand is is the demand is going to slowly sort of slip, slip downwards, but it's still going to be a a hot item to find because it's going to sell out. It's just not going to sell out as fast, like moving from stock being available for seconds to stock being available for minutes means a lot when you've got the proper planning in place, like a, you know, discord notifications or some sort of service that you're using. I find that especially, you know, here in Canada is my only experience, but I find with Best Buy, they've got a really good setup where they've got queues for both entering the site and and uh, cashing out of the site. So it keeps things, you know, stable. And once you have the thing in your cart, and you move through the process, it's very likely that you're going to be able to buy it. So I think yeah, a smart move is once they announce a release date for Horizon, then you have that goalpost that you can sort of aim towards. And I think if you follow sort of the, the services, like the discord notifications and stuff that you can subscribe to. Um, you can spend a month, month and a half, uh, trying to get one of these and, and be successful as long as you're, as long as you've got a, as long as you're, you kind of know the pattern of when these, these stores restock, it's a fairly, uh, safe bet that you can probably get one if you put your mind to it over the course of a couple months which again mm-hmm. sounds like something you wouldn't want to do that sounds like homework and it is it very much is <laughs>
0: yeah it very much was cuz well, cuz i helped a, a friend get one for her husband in february and uh yeah it's it is it's a lot of work and a lot of stress <laughs> yeah. it's like just one more thing to add to the plate but uh yeah so hopefully we get a release date soon and then i can make a decision about when i add that extra stress to my life to grab that playstation <laughs> Um, we got some really interesting news from Nintendo as well. Uh, Nintendo has announced Game Builder Garage, which is coming June 11th. And I think, I believe it was $40. I'm not sure if that's American or Canadian, but. Um,
1: that is Canadian.
0: It's Canadian. Okay, great. It looks really interesting because it's kind of like a cross between like Ryan you were saying the was it Lago or Labo or whatever that cardboard thing is they tried to do but then also with like Mario Maker it's basically like my first game builder it's like a it's like a programming um a programming game but fun like <laughs> i don't know it's like it teaches you basically how to be a game dev but in a in a in a fun way i guess in a, in a very visual way
1: yeah it's a it's it's an object-oriented sort of game design game where it's not quite as sophisticated as like rpg maker or something like you're not building games that you can then go on and sell right but you're like the trailer. You're learning the
0: basics, like the fundamentals.
1: Exactly. And the trailer that came out was like, oh, this looks very simple and that you're sort of connecting things and you're learning how to uh, connect. Um, how to relate
0: and... things together.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then it gets into the more complex offerings, like you can build a racing game and a rolling game and a tag game. And it just goes on and on. And I'm thinking to myself, like, they've really built a lot into what felt like this might be a fun game to play with the kids to kind of teach them some, you know, simple programming and simple game design. And they they'd be all over this. Like this is peak Nintendo doing what other companies, other platform holders just aren't great at. Like they're not good at packaging these things. Like if Microsoft or Sony were to put out something like this, it'd be like, oh, this is weird and wacky. But Nintendo does it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, it's going to be designed in a way that makes this playable by anyone and fun for anyone. And I think that's that's what has me most excited about this. Like, it, it's it's like you said, like, it's like Labo, but they've dropped the cardboard requirement, which is really nice. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by the 40 bucks, especially once I saw that it was not just making a character run across the screen. Like, it seems to be more yeah. complex.
0: It does. And they even show like if you there, the trailer is only like two minutes long, but the further in you get, you're right. The more complicated it got to the point where there's even uh, now it's, it's very like eight bitty, like it's very simple, but there's even like a designer that you can use within the game that allows you to like make your own textures and your own scenery and your own characters, even the characters like that animate which I thought was really crazy. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I wouldn't expect out of a video game, I guess, is to be able to put my own custom characters that then get animated. Now they're like stick figures. Like, it's not like, you know, God of War animations. <laughs> but, you know, it's still something, which I think is really interesting. And and again, uh, Nintendo's just like doing so many things that are just different that I I really enjoy. Like, they they feel like they're innovating in the space instead of, like, putting out another, you know, Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed every year, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they really try to... And a lot of people, you know, I remember... when I've been a Nintendo fan since I started playing video games, and I remember in certain generations of consoles, you got a lot of flack for that, being a Nintendo fan. Uh, And... I, I, a lot of that flack was, ah, it's just a bunch of Mario and Zelda games. And it's like, yeah, there are a lot of Mario and Zelda games, but I think Nintendo's really shifted in a way where they are comfortable releasing a bunch of Mario and Zelda games, but they're also comfortable doing these weird experimental games. And I think it really comes from sort of the digital release opportunities that they have. Like a lot of their smaller, more experimental games are digital only, you know, Mm -hmm. and sure it's available physically but like really they just throw out enough copies for you know people who want physical copies to buy and then the rest is all digital so i'm i'm excited to see more of this it's coming out june 11th so it's another like nintendo stealth announcement mm-hmm. um yeah, and,
0: yeah i i thought this was gonna be june 11th like next year but yeah. it's like no like in a month you'll have it in a month and i'm kind of like oh random nintendo i like it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I mean, I remember with the Labo stuff, I was like, oh, this would be really cool. It could, and I still have my Labo set. Like, I bought one to be like, okay, let's try this out. I think I built, like, the smallest thing you could build. And then I never touched it again because you you spend, like, $90 on a bunch of cardboard. And, and I wanted to play with the kids. And I was like, oh, man, they're just going to destroy this cardboard. Uh, <laughs> although they do give you templates to make your own. But, but still, it's like, I think with this, this is a really cool opportunity to... Uh, to do some of that fun game design experimental stuff plus you get to like download like you can download your friends creations and you can build together and kind of toss levels back and forth and and see how they were built and stuff so i'm i'm also hoping you'll be able to download some of the better creations from from the internet i hope nintendo doesn't kind of make it sort of friend to friend i hope there's a way to like this is like one of the best cart games made in Game Builder Garage and check it out type thing. Well but, they kinda uh,
0: they kinda did that with Mario Maker, right? Like it mm-hmm. had an interface within it that allowed you to like share your levels. So
1: yeah. maybe? I mean worst case scenario, maybe you, you can find those codes online and then download a copy of the of, of the level. I'm not seeing sort of like a level browser sort of on this page, but they do talk about ex- they say exchange codes with friends to download their games and share your own. So maybe Maybe there will be a way for you to like check out, you know, because uh, I think the best thing about Mario Maker was was playing levels made by completely random players who would build like musical levels and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, this is exciting.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it's really cool, and I'll I'll probably pick it up and give it a try. Um, and again, so that's coming from Nintendo on June eleventh. And I think that's going to do it for us for the show this week. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so over at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at JossPlays, Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye, everyone. Here we go.